You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda. And today's topic, we are going to discuss uh, the black slash melanated rulers, aka Negro rulers of Europe, uh, specifically of Scotland and the British Isles. Uh, So shout out to a... uh, Sister that sent me to this, sent me this information, rather, uh, shout out to Brooklyn Bourgeois. Bourgeois. (laughs) I like that. I love that name, screen name. Uh, Shout out to the sis for sending me this particular source. Um, Great, 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 great information. So let's get into it. Uh, Let me go back. So this is the Negro Rulers of Scotland and the British Isles uh, by Dr. John L. Johnson. Okay, Um, so this one, I think he did a great job writing it. And then as well, uh, I also notice, of course, I always check out folks' sources. Some of the same sources that um, we've gone over before, like uh, J.A. Rogers, uh, that's a great source. Uh, Nature knows no color line. That's just one of the many sources that he lists. Okay, so now this is also going to be very interesting because he's getting into the biblical side of things. And I know some of you have uh, been in my comment section uh, discussing biblical events taking place over here in the Americas, although no other information leads to that happening. Okay, so uh, we're going to get into this. So those that are really into the Bible, uh, you will appreciate this as well. Now, whether or not you agree with it, That's certainly your business. Uh, I just find it interesting as well. Okay, so let's get into it. Um, He has so much stuff in this book. We are going to go through this book and we're going to um, do it in a couple of podcasts. All right. Okay. All righty. Okay. So just to give you an idea of the table of contents of this book, which is why it's going to take us a little bit to get through it, because I want to share with the fam his perspective on all of these things and um, the historical uh, perspective as well. Okay, good thing about this, we've went through a lot of this stuff already, um, but some of these things... We haven't had a chance to go through, uh, like, the Edward rulership, uh, Alexandria, uh, Robert, and a couple of other things. All right, so let's get going. All right, so I'm going to read the prefix because this is where he's going to get into the biblical stuff. All right, now again, 
You take this for what it's worth. Um, I still stand on what I personally say. It has not been proven that biblical events happen over in the Americas. Everything points back to it happening across the pond, specifically Africa, uh, which everything spread out. Uh, those particular people from that bloodline spread out, but you also still had people on the American or in the America's soil as well. But let's get into it. The first man whom the Ethiopians and Egyptians called Atam, the Hebrews Adham, and the Christians Adam, was created on the continent of Africa. Okay, so again, I'm just going to point out that this is also what is said in the Sumerian Sumerian text, which is the oldest text. Okay, the only difference is the Sumerian text talk about multiple creations besides the Adam creation. All right. Okay, but we'll keep going because I don't want to get into that and not be focused. He and his African wife had sons and daughters who multiplied the earth. They settled on all continents with the exception of Antarctica and islands and were historically described as a dark-skinned, giant, and pygmoid people. The Italian G. Sergi, in his book called The Mediterranean Race, a study of the origins of the European people, called the early settlers of Europe, Euro-Africans. Sergi and other world-renowned anthropologists proved the Nordic race to be of Euro-African Euro species, claiming that the European people had originated in Africa itself. The United Kingdom, and so just once again, this is also backing up that even um, who we are calling Caucasian white people today are still, number one, come from melanated slash black blood. And meaning they also come from Africa. Okay. So, but let's continue. The United Kingdom, Scotland, Britain, and Wales, and Ireland were originally settled by a dark-skinned giant and pygmoid people. Jean Fanat, in his book called Race Prejudice, says the pride of Europe is only a direct fruit of the Negro race. Ellen Churchill, in her book called The Influence of Geographic Environment, says the long head of Northern Europe is regarded now by ethnologists as a short of a headed brunette Mediterranean race of African origin. Okay, so a lot of times when you um, see and they'll talk in code and they'll talk about uh, brunettes. If you go to the et etymology of brunette, it was a descriptive back in the day of um, 
melanated black skin. Okay. Just like today, we know brunette to be black hair. Okay. So uh, it says, uh, let me read that again. The long head of Northern Europe is regarded now by ethnologists as a short of the headed brunette Mediterranean race of African origin, which bleached out under the pale sun of the Scandinavian skies. Okay, so we know that this part about bleaching out is not true. We now should know that the form of white skin is a form of albinism. Okay, so that's not true that it bleached out because if that's the case wouldn't we all pretty much be bleached out no it's in the genetics that having white skin is a form of albinism okay all right which is why that trait is predominantly found in africa today okay all right, and so the only other thing I wanted to note in this, just to back up a little bit, this whole out of Africa theory that everybody stemmed from Africa comes directly from a biblical theory, all right? But that does not necessarily make it true because if you're going to use the Bible as a source then wouldn't you have to use the original source that the Bible took its information from? Uh, yeah, you would. And that would be the Sumerian text, which clearly told you there were multiple creations and as well as other texts, Sanskrit, etc., tells you that there were other bloodlines, okay? So even the claim itself, again, with everybody's out of Africa, out of Africa, just to let you know, that is coming out of a biblical theory, okay? And the Bible is not the oldest text on the planet. The Bible is a combination of other ancient texts and it did not bring in all of the information from the other texts. Specifically, that there were multiple creations. Yeah, there were multiple creations from Adam and Eve, multiple bloodlines. It tells you specifically who did those bloodlines and other ancient texts tells you there were other people on the planet that were earlier than the Adam and Eve creation story. And those other people were in the Americas. All right. So I just want to point that out as well, but we're just going to keep going. All right. So Sir H.H. H. Johnston in his article called, interracial problems says the actual fact that thousands of years ago a negroid race had penetrated Europe through Italy and France leaving traces until the present day in the people of southern Italy 
Sicily, Sardinia, southern and western France, and even the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland. Okay. Okay. An old Irish legend speaks of a dark-skinned giant race. Okay, so those that follow the whole giant situation, I know you'll appreciate that. So an old Irish legend speaks of a dark-skinned giant race who settled in Ireland from Africa and Spain, who descended from Noah and Ham, Spain was earlier called Iberian Ethiopia. Now, just again, <coughs> if you refer, and even the Bible says that Noah was a giant. I mean, you, you have to read the height that the Bible gave of what Noah's height was. And if, again, if you go back to the source, the Sumerian text, it tells Noah's lineage and which would make him uh, to be of giant size. Okay, so I just found that interesting that there was an Irish legend talking about some giants and descending from Noah. Found that really, really interesting. But let's continue. The Bible mentions a giant Canaanite race who were of the lineage of Ham, the father of Africa. Let me sip my water. So that's for the biblical folks. Those that know me, y'all know that's not my thing. I don't get into the specifics about it. Uh, so there, there's your source of reference. It's saying Numbers 13.33. Hmm find that interesting that he used oh really now 1333 chapter 13 verse 33 hmm let's continue these people who migrated from Canaan land to settle in Carthage North Africa became great sailors and colonized Spain Ireland Scotland Wales and Britain hmm there was an old Scottish, Wales, and English legend of an African presence in their land who was not newcomers, but indigenous. Mm. And that's interesting because they started out as colonizers in Spain. So I don't know how they're indigenous to Ireland, Scotland, Scotland, Wales, and Britain. Seems like they would have went and colonized there as well, coming up out of North Africa. But okay. They were tall and short, black-skinned, dark-eyed, and long-headed people, headed people who spoke the African Hermetic language. It is believed that they migrated from Northern, Eastern, or Central Africa. Okay, so to me, that means they colonized. But, uh, oh, okay, because you have to prove that none of those other people from 
uh, Scott, the Scots, Wales, and England wasn't already there. Okay, so I'm leaning towards the side. There were already people there and they came and colonized. But okay, we're going to roll with what he said for now. <laughs> the Roman Tacitus, Tacitus, sorry, the Tacitus spoke of a dark-skinned people with unusually curly hair living in Britain, whom he believed to have migrated from Spain. When the dark-skinned Julius Caesar invaded Britain, he fought these blacks. Mm. Okay, so Julius Caesar's were was dark-skinned. Oh, okay, and he fought these other blacks. Mm, okay, it's it's a bunch of dark skin. So how are you telling the difference between dark skin and black? You see the games that are being played? The Cambridge Ancient History, Volume 2, says the ancient pits of Scotland is said to be the ancestors of the small black race in Scotland. Margaret Murray, in her book called God of the Witches, mentions the dark-skinned pits. Okay. Lloyd Lang, in his book called The Pits and the Scots, or the Pygmies, and Skyard Historia Narvagius, Narvagius speaks of an ancient dark complexion pygmy people of Scotland. There were several phenomenal rulers within Europe long before the rise of Scotland, England, Wales, and Ireland. Mm -hmm. The Egyptian princess Skoda fled Egypt and settled in Caledonia, which her descendants named Scotland in honor of her name, Scota, and Ireland. Okay, so, so far what I'm seeing are folks coming into, from Africa, coming into Europe. So now, as far as I'm concerned, that does not make them indigenous to that land. But let's continue. The African Moorish Negro King Dardanus ruled Troy. Uh, he's given BC 240. The story of the Pictus King author, BC 1300, and his round table of 150 black knights were all about a black man and his daring Negro army. Mm-hmm. Yep. They were called Black Knights after the night and because of the darkness of their skin. The first uh, Africoid Viking to unite Norway was Halfdan, the Black of Niger, A.D. 1810 to 1860. There were many other Negro Vikings. There were many other Negro Vikings who ruled throughout Europe. One was Thor Hall. Oh, y'all, y'all know like the legend of Thor? 
The Scottish McRitchie described Thor Hall as a tall, giant, black-skinned man with the, <laughs> with the foul mouth. <laughs> so Thor was cussing people out on a regular. McRitchie went on to say that he hoped someday that Thor Hall would be recognized for what he was, a black Viking who explored part of the coastline of what is now called the U.S. in his own ships, or ship, rather, ship, nearly 500 years before Columbus. Now, that's interesting. That's very, 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 very interesting. The Irish king, Gormund, was also Negro. So if you all want to get a little bit more detail on that whole uh, Viking side, check out the YouTube channel, The Medicine Man. Shout out to Medicine Man. Uh, he went into detail on that uh, as well about the Vikings being melanated, a.k.a. black. Okay, so you can check him his uh, YouTube channel out for more details. All right. The Negro rulers of Scotland and the British Isle. The first dynasty of Scotland was called the Alpine Dynasty, ruled by the Pitts, who were described to be a short, pygmied or pygmoid, dark-skinned people. So I just find it just absolutely hilarious that people want to steal just have amnesia about the pygmies. I just find it very, very hilarious that people want to say that melanated slash black folk, and from this point forward, I am saying black in this particular podcast, um, for folks to not get and try to justify that blacks were in Europe and were the rulers of Europe. Okay? Folks want to ignore the term swathy. They want to ignore the term tawny. They want to ignore the term uh, curly, curly, coarse hair. They want to skip all past, dance around, and forget about the pygmies. You know, those short, dark-skinned people? Uh-huh. But let's continue. Their first rulers of the Alpine dynasty was the Moorish Kenneth McAlpine. McAlpine uh, A.D. 843 to 58. The Scottish archaeologist is uh, David McRitchie stressed that during the 10th century, Alpin, the father of, of Kenneth McAlpin, was a half-black Pitts and a and half-black Scott, whose son, Kenneth, was the first to merge the two foremost branches of the blacks in Scotland. So I just let that marinate for a little bit. So again, no matter how it's sliced and diced, 
the first Europe, uh, the first rulers of Europe were black. Kenneth McAlpin was also called Niger Van Dub. So I'm saying Niger, but it's the N word with that hard R. Pronounce it or enunciate it however you see fit. Dub. Dublin means black. So you saying the N-word vowel black. Oh, okay, because dub does mean black. Okay? Dublin. Dub. But let's continue. McAlpin's descendant, Kenneth the Niger, dub the same as Duff or Duffy. Yep, we know, but thank you, Sweet Pea. Is the Gaelic name for black or the hard N word, but I'll say Niger. Is historically known to be a Niger god whose royal. Negro Moorish blood continued to rule Scotland up to who? King James Stuart, who became the first black Scottish king of England. King Kenneth the Niger's descendant, David I, bestowed the title Stuart upon Walter Fitz Allen for services rendered. Britain descendant, a title inherited by his descendants. Now, come on, lay it on out, John Johnson, that European surname, which I just so happen to carry. But let's continue. Walter, Walter Stewart, sixth, a descendant of Walter Fitzallen, Walter Stewart I married Kenneth, the Niger's blood relative, Princess Marjorie, daughter of King Robert I, who gave birth to Robert II, the first Stuart King of Scotland. So again, as I sip upon my water, no matter how you slice it, there is no getting around who the stewards were, who they are, where their bloodline descend, and the fact that they are black. No getting around it. I showed you firsthand account. I I um witnesses saying that they struck the color of the stewards out of the history record. Okay? Have uh, other multiple eyewitnesses account of King James and them being black. We have portraits of King James being black. Okay? Now they're giving you the a breakdown of even where the surname Stuart came from. And again, 
those of you that carry the surname Stewart, here's where that surname originated from. King Kenneth, the Niger's descendant, David I, bestowed the title Stewart upon Walter Fitz Allen for services rendered. A title inherited by his descendants. So shout out to the people that had been called out that the Stuart name was a title or is a title. Okay, so all of you carrying that Stuart surname, now you know the origins and now you know, I mean, you already kind of now by now know the lineage of that name. Okay. So, and I think that's that's pretty cool to know this information. In uh, AD 1100, Henry I of England married Edith, the daughter of Malcolm III, who was a blood relative of Kenneth, the Niger, or Niger, dub. Henry I and Edith, Matilda. Oh, now that's interesting. That name, Matilda had a daughter named Matilda who married Geoffrey and Anjou. They had three children by which the oldest became Henry II, who had a son named Richard I, the Lionheart, who succeeded him. Okay, so shout out to uh, Dr. John L. Johnson for the Negro rulers of Scotland and the British Isle. I think he did a great job. Because, child, it, it would have really taken me a long time to get all of this information. With the lineage uh, broken down, we do have a family tree. But I so, so appreciate and respect the fact that he he made it easier for me. He lists his sources, as he should. So much appreciated. Shout out to Dr. Uh, John L. Johnson. Uh, for this body of work. Richard I was succeeded by his brother, John of England. You know, that surname, Johnson, is derived from the son of John. Uh-huh. Richard I was succeeded by his brother, John of England, who was succeeded by his son, Henry III. All right, so we just... um. Let's let's just continue. Henry III was succeeded by his son Edward I, who was succeeded by his son Edward II. Edward II's oldest son, Edward III, succeeded him. And um, I was just speaking on this um, Sunday when I was uh, sitting in as a guest on the podcast. Uh, shout out to the YouTube channel. Uh, the Atontanist Party, and a uh, shout out to Brother Lee Cummings, who uh, was the uh, special guest and who also wrote great bodies of work. So check out his work as well. <clears throat> and those of you that rock with me, you already know this, but uh, he wrote the, the Negro Question, part six. He wrote a lot of things, but these are a couple of my faves. Uh, the Negro Question, Part 6, The 13 Black Colonies by Lee Cummings, and The Negro Question, Part 4, The Missing Link by Lee Cummings. 
Um, but when we were sitting on that panel, I was sitting on that panel rather, I kind of brought up the fact that as uh, black folks are doing their genealogy and you're going to see where your folks kept renaming their children off of previous relatives. And once I started going through my own personal genealogy, I literally saw that pattern and my mouth dropped. Okay. Um, although ideally my name wasn't one of them. Uh, that's my name is a, a, a different story showed up in some other records, of course, going back to England. But my point being that that was a European pattern thing. And again, those European surnames that black folk carry. And at this point, those first European names, they're not white. They're black. Okay. All right. So here we see the same type of logic where you have parents naming their children off of relatives, okay? And, you know, it kind of makes sense with fathers, you know, men, y'all, men and y'all got to have a junior and this, that, and the third and a one and a two and a three, and it gets confusing. Um, But also, I noticed it with women, except the difference with women, we don't name a daughter directly after us we'll pick either a sister's name or we'll pick a mother's name or we'll put, pick a great-grandmother's name. Um, that's what I saw consistently in my family records and um, also just various records that you so happen to go through uh, with Black folk. I see that same exact pattern. All right. So I'm, what I'm getting at is that's a European logic thing, all right? Okay, Richard I was succeeded by his brother, John of England, who was succeeded by his son, Henry III. Henry III was succeeded by his son, Edward I, who was succeeded by his son, Edward II. Edward II's oldest son, Edward III, succeeded him. Child. Edward III was succeeded by his grandson, Richard II, whose father was called the Black Prince of Wales. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that part. Guess that was coincidence also, right? It's a whole lot of black being thrown around. Oh, okay then. Richard II's cousin, uh, Henry IV, also the grandson of Edward III, succeeded him. Henry IV was succeeded by his son, Henry V. Chow, all of these men's is this. <laughs> Renaming them, these babies after them. I mean, I, I, I get it. That's what men do. They want to carry on their lineage, this, that, and the third. Richard 
the second's cousin, Henry IV, also a grandson of Edward III, succeeded him. Henry IV was succeeded by his son, Henry V, who was succeeded by his, his son, oh, by his son, Henry VI. Yeah, that's the sixth, yeah. Edward IV, the second grand, the second son of Edward III, ruled and should have been succeeded by his son, Edward V, who was believed to be taken out at the age of 12 by his uncle Richard of Gloucester, who became known as King Richard III. Child. Child. Following his death, the black skin, come on now, tell it now, baby. Following his death, the black skin did Henry VII became king and was succeeded by his son, Henry VIII. Now, child, let me stop and sip my water because we showed y'all the coin of Henry VIII with his curly, his tight, well, I guess he was, he, his hair wasn't all the way for C. It, he had a little bit loose, mid, middle loose curl to his little hair shaped in, in his little curly afro. We told y'all he was melanated, just like Queen Anne Boleyn was melanated. She was literally called Swathy. So, following his death, the black skin, Henry VII became king and was succeeded by his son, Henry VIII. Uh-huh. Henry VIII was succeeded by his son, Edward VI. So, you see how they name in each other? So we also showed y'all a coin of Edward. He had that curly hair also, that curly afro. Yeah, that part. Who was succeeded by his cousin, Lady Jane Grey. Lady Jane Grey was succeeded by her cousin, Mary I, Bloody Mary, who was succeeded by her sister, Elizabeth I. Are you all getting this? Okay. I can't vouch for Mary. I have to dig a little bit into Mary's. Um, I, I'm assuming she's melanated. Because, you know, that was uh, Henry. Well, yeah, she had to be. She was part melanated at the least because her daddy, King Henry VIII, was melanated. I don't know what her mama uh, was. I'm assuming she was uh, melanated. Uh, Catherine, Catherine, that's her mom, okay? But we know Elizabeth I, Queen Elizabeth I, the boss that she was, was melanated because her daddy was melanated, King Henry VIII, and her mama was melanated, Queen Anne Boleyn. Queen, I'm sorry, yeah, well, I like to say Queen Elizabeth 
first was succeeded by her dark-skinned cousin, James Stewart of Scotland, who was a descendant of Kenneth the Niger dub. That part. James Stewart mother was Mary, the daughter of James Stewart V, the son of Margaret Tudor, the sister of King Henry VIII. So again, you know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, no matter how you try to slice and dice this, people, no matter how you try to slice and dice this, this European throne was melanated. And shout out again to Dr. John L. Johnson for this body of work, the Negro rulers of Scotland and the British Isle. You just so, so laid it out with this lineage. I so much appreciate you. So, I, I, I mean, there you have it. We know all these folks were related. And now we have the receipts that they were melanated. Okay? So that meant that the Tudors, that particular lineage and bloodline were melanated as well. Okay? The English Margaret married the Scottish James Stewart a great descendant of Robert I, who was the descendant of the Scottish Canmore dynasty, which was first ruled by Malcolm III, a relative of Kenneth the Niger. So, fencing a sip some water again. Okay, so uh, what now? People are going to dispute that the word Niger which is really that hard N-word, the hard E-R word, which y'all going to dispute that that doesn't mean black as well. Y'all going to dispute that? Because you sure don't dispute it when you be in my comments saying the N-word until YouTube blocks you like they should. You going to dispute that as well? But let's continue. James Stewart, the cousin of Elizabeth I, became the, of uh, James Stewart the uh, sixth, the cousin of Elizabeth I became the King of Scotland and England and was succeeded by his son, Charles I, who fathered Charles II, a tall, curled mouth, black, skinned and curly-haired man known in England as the black boy. I guess we're going to dispute that as well. Mm. So we're going to dispute that Henry VII was black. Hey, all of them were black. We're going to dispute all of that. But it all goes back to Kenneth the N-word. Yeah, 
It goes back to Kenneth, the N-word. No, let me get it correct. Kenneth, the N-word dub. Kenneth, the Niger dub. Kenneth, the N-word black. We're going to dispute all of that. This is his lineage. And the descriptions that came along with these various people that were ruling was still the associated word black tied to it. Black skin, swathy, curly hair, all of that. Okay? And Charles II, he was literally known as the black boy. The black boy, Charles II, great-grandmother was Mary, Queen of Scots, who was a dark-skinned olive woman. Okay, see, I, I didn't want, uh, although I knew she, she had to be dark because I knew who her daddy was. Okay? So let me read that again. The black boy, Charles II's great-grandmother was Mary, Queen of Scots, who was a dark-skinned olive, a, a dark olive-skinned woman. Okay, I've heard you all try to use that. Well, it means olive skin. Okay, I actually happen to really like olives. Maybe that's that European side in me. I literally eat olives of, of all kind. Um, I like the green ones, okay? And I get bougie with my olives. I'll do the green olives stuffed with um, blue cheese sometimes. I like the green olives stuffed with jalapeno. I like the green olives stuffed with garlic. And I also like the black olives. You know, there's two kinds. There's that black swathy <laughs> olive. And then you have an olive that kind of sort of looks brownish a little bit on the purplish side. And they're, they're, to me, they're the most flavorful of the ones. So how can you possibly mistake how can you possibly mistake a dark olive skin with anything but having a lot of melanin? How can you possibly mistake that? So either you're green, and that's another conversation you want to have if they green, or you swathy black, or you that in between that, that one little olive kind of looks almost purplish, brownish to me. Because I know that's some of the tricks you all try to use as well when you want to dispute this information regarding the color of someone's skin. I know that's what y'all try to dispute. But we're going to continue. <laughs> Charles's appearance was the opposite of an Englishman. His, his black skin, French mother, Henrietta Maria, called him the little black boy soon after his birth. 
So he must have been really dark if his black French relative was calling him the little black boy. You know how black folks still do today. You know, oh, you know, that person is light skin. That person is red bone. That person is black. And unfortunately, some to this day still weaponize skin color. But we're going to continue. When he died, his brother James II slash the seventh succeeded him. James's daughter, Mary II, ruled England with her cousin and husband, William III slash second. Because remember, they were ruling over England and Scotland. Okay, for those of you who, if there's a confusion with that, um, the third, and then they have a slash in between it. Following their death, James, James IP's youngest sister, Anne, ooh, child, why are you putting her business up in the street like that? Child, why are you putting her business up in the street like that? Oh, I would love to know the source of that. Now I'm going to have to, uh, if I have time. Following their death, James' youngest sister, Anne, a gay woman, ruled England. Now that's interesting. She was succeeded by George I, Hanover. Okay, are y'all catching this? She was succeeded by George I, Hanover, who was German and Scottish descent. So who was not only sitting on, uh, let's go back here, let's go back here, let's go back here. Scotland, England, now we into Germany. Throne. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. His mother, Sophia, was the granddaughter of the Scottish King James VI, who was the bloodline of who? Kenneth the Niger Dub. Oh, okay. So, uh, Germany's rulership was black also. George I's son, George II, succeeded him and was succeeded by his grandson, George III, who married a black queen named Sophia Charlotte. Oh, you know that Sophia Charlotte that they do want to admit was black. No, let me back that up. I think they say she mulatto. I think they say she mulatto because she looked light, light that did skin that did on them pictures. Her hair looked a little 4C-ish to me. But okay. Who married a black queen named Sophia Charlotte, who was a descendant of a Negro royal family of Portugal. Portugal and Spain were originally called Iberian Ethiopia. Yeah, let me sip my water on that part. Uh-huh. 
The couple had 15 children and following the death of George III, his son, George IV, succeeded him and was succeeded by his brother, William IV. Edward IV, son of George III and Sophia Charlotte. Okay, so those of you from Charlotte, North Carolina, know most of you probably already know that. But Charlotte, North Carolina, was named after a black woman. All right, so, and Sophia Charlotte, father, Edward, the fourth son of George III and Sophia Charlotte, fathered Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria whose Moorish blood continued to rule the royal throne of England through her son, Edward VIII, the Saxe-Coburg-Gotha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Edward VIII was succeeded by his son, George V, who replaced the German title. Go on, baby, tell it. Edward VIII was succeeded by his son, George V, who replaced the German title, Saxe-Coburg, Gotha to the House of Windsor. Uh-huh. And this is exactly why when we look at the coat of arms, we can find the melanated coat of arms for Saxe-Coburg. George V was succeeded by his oldest son, Edward VIII. Edward VIII was succeeded by his brother, George IV, who was succeeded by his daughter, Elizabeth II, the mother of Prince Charles, Andrew, Edward, and Princess Anne. His grandsons are Princess William and Harry. So arrive! As Brother Sean say, the ancestors would say. The Windsor, it was changed to the House of Windsor. Now this is my lowly personal opinion my little two cents on it it was changed that title was changed from sax Coburg gotha to the house of windsor because it was depicting a change from the melanated rulership to the caucasian white rulership that we see today Mm-hmm. They knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So having the rulership come in of the Caucasian relatives, it was planned. Now this just this my two cents. It was planned. Because they changed or switched out. The title, the German title of Saxe-Coburg and made it the House of Windsor. Uh-huh. 
And shout out to, uh, she is an ancestor now, Sis Cheryl Wooding. We discussed that years ago. She sent me that information. That the House of Windsor was a approved title. Okay. So just so we are clear on the lineage today that sits on the throne. Edward VIII was succeeded by his son, George V, who replaced the German titles Saxe-Coburg-Gotha to the House of Windsor. George V was succeeded by his oldest son, Edward VIII, Edward VIII was succeeded by his brother, George IV, who was succeeded by his daughter, Elizabeth II, the mother of Prince Charles, Andrew, Edward, and Princess Anne. Her grandsons are Prince, Princess William and Harry, or he said Henry or Harry. So now you should see exactly where the switching of a melanated bloodline went to a to the Caucasian bloodline that we see today. Okay. All right. So uh, let's see how much more I want to get through this. We're just going to get through this prefix and then I will uh, continue on this because I definitely have to chop this up. <laughs> I have to chop this up. All right, so the white peasant blood slowly spilled into the royal Negro Moorish blood following the French Revolution of, of uh, 1789. Today's Queen Elizabeth's lineage is traced all the way back to the 10th century Scottish king, Kenneth Dub, that Duffy Duff Niger or Black. Yeah, that, that part. Yeah, that part. I'll let that sink in. Whose noble blood is linked to Kenneth McAlpin. The Negro royal blood also fueled into the royal houses of early Northern Europe. However, following the 18th century, the once known and accepted knowledge of Negro royal admixture had been quietly hushed and secretly tucked away from the pages of history. Mm -hmm. The newly aged Euro scholars, governments, big businesses, and white supremacists have deliberately rewritten the history of Europe. The Europeans have barbarously burned, looted, and disfigured thousands of old African, European, and royal paintings, sculptures, and public works in order to erase any evidence of an early Negro African dominance. There wasn't one nation in Europe that was free of Negro blue blood, superior rule, a supremacy that ended following the French revolution. Every painted portrait of Europe's royal families was of Negro ancestry. 
They were black-skinned African Moors who paraded their dark complexion as a badge of honor, pride, and privilege and royalty. It was not unusual for lighter blacks and whites to walk around in blackface. Ooh. In order, look more upper class. And I find it absolutely deplorable today that we have colorism reigning through the black community and that is around the world. You have some parts of the Caribbean that are literally using chemicals to strip out the melanin in their skin. You have some black folks ignorantly being against darker skin black folk or lighter skin black folk. And you have a large portion of black men who are actually heavily melanated black men saying they don't want heavily melanated black women and they prefer light-skinnedness, but really their preference is white skin. So what does that say about you when you don't even like what you see in the mirror. Not that you just so happen to fall in love with somebody, this, that, and the third. That's your business. I care nothing about an interracial couple. That's not my business. But I find it absolutely disgusting and ignorant that this is what you have. A lot of black men around the world now that are literally the same black skin saying they don't want nothing with black skin because you're too ignorant and stupid to understand true history. Now, I'll just read that little part for the slow ones in the back. This was what was going on around in Europe. They were black-skinned African Moors who paraded their dark complexion as a badge of honor, pride, privilege, and royalty. It was not unusual for lighter blacks and whites to walk around in black face in order to look more upper class. Let's continue. Many of today's images of the black rulers of Europe are falsely propagandized as white people. Uh-huh. Their portraits have been whitened, distorted, or merely invented to give fake impressions of Europe's early rulers. However, there remain some authentic black portraits that are hidden from public view, while a few are exhibited in the National Portrait Gallery in London. Uh-huh. 
So that's even the sad part that people want to come swinging in the comments about black Europeans. When there, there's proof. Now you do have to go research for that proof, but it's there. Every European museum has overpainted 99% of black portraits with fake white skin color. The remaining lost or hidden dark skin portraits when found and exposed to the public are falsely identified to have looked black because of poor upkeep, outright uh, neglect, negligence, or the portrait itself was expo exposed to a horrific fire. How absurd since the prime object is to cover up evidence that Europe was once ruled by dark-skinned African-Moorish royal people. When slavery began in AD 1441, every nation of Europe was ruled by a royal house of Negro ancestry, whom centuries later followed the French Revolution in 1789, practiced self-discrimination, by racially reclassifying themselves into various white ethnic groups to hide their true African heritage, African Moorish heritage. Nachal, kudos, much respect to you. Let me sip on this water. Kudos to you, Dr. Johnson. I'm going to read that again for the slow ones in the back. When slavery began in A.D. 1441, every nation of Europe was ruled by a royal house of Negro ancestry. Whom centuries later, following the French Revolution, A.D. 1789, practiced self-discrimination by racially reclassifying themselves into various white ethnic groups to hide their true African Moorish origin. So we just real uh, quick on jump over to his source. Okay, so that's his source has been proven. Okay, DNA testing, which is largely under government control, has been proven the Europeans to be a genetically a people of the Negroid race. The Roman Pilony, when first seeing the Britons, identified their complexion as Ethiopian. Child. Okay, please go back. Dang on it. <laughs> Dang it. All right, so I got to go back. I was hoping it would let me um, go back. Sorry, Al. Hoping it would let me go back. So hold on a second. Slavery ended in England under the two Moorish Negro kings, George III and his son, George IV. When the American colonists fought against Great Britain for its independence, little did the people realize that England's George III was of the African Moorish descent through the bloodline of Kenneth the Niger, Dub, Black, Duffy, or Duff. Who was, the who was a descendant of Scotland's 
First Dynasty, Kenneth McAlpin, Niger, Val Dub, Duff Duffy, or Black. Okay? So we're going to stop right here. We're going to get into um, this a little deeper. I don't want to make this too much longer. So we're going to pick back up. Um, so going forward, I'm going to um, hit the highlights uh, of this body of work and bring in uh, some supplemental stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff that we've already covered, uh, but because he, he already did an excellent job. Uh, shout out to Dr. Johnson. Again, this source is, let me put my um, pen in here. This source is the Negro Rulers of Scotland and the British Isle. So as bonus material, I will uh, put the family tree lineage and I'll also, once again, kind of put some of those pictures of the rulers that were mentioned in, in some of the coat of arms as well. Okay, so shout out um, to the sis that sent me this information. I just absolutely love this body of work. Uh, it is much appreciated. So, um, you know, we're going to make this into a podcast series to get to, through this body of work. I think he did an excellent job. So again, uh, thank you all for bearing with me. I am looking forward to going through this. Um, I loved how he broke down the lineage. I couldn't have done a better job myself, which I had to read all of his pre prefix, honey. That's just the prefix. So you know this finna be the bomb. <laughs> information through up and throughout here so uh thanks again family we i will be back i may come back uh later on in the week to do part two of this series on this so if you are not subscribed to us i highly encourage you to subscribe like and share I wish everyone well on this Tuesday. This is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. Peace and love, family.